Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, please check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site and take a look at the animal stickers and postcards we have for sale. We also just wanted to take a second to tell you about a podcast playlist we put together. So Sophia and I are both big podcast nerds and we partnered with Podacy, an online community of podcast lovers, to share some of our favorite episodes with you. There are lots of cool science pods in there, an episode on indigenous fashion, and even a true crime podcast. You can check it out at podacy.fm slash blathers. We'll also put a link in our show notes, so make sure to check it out. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the tiger butterfly, which I think is just really nice because it's actually officially spring and butterflies are very springy. Yeah, yeah, things are finally warming up. Should start seeing, I don't know, depending on where you are, should start seeing some butterflies coming out. Definitely not where I am, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) like a month or two. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I've seen any yet, but I haven't really been paying close attention, to be honest. (laughs) You guys in Vancouver had that like infestation of moths last year, didn't you? Yeah, that or, was were they pretty moths wild. or were they? It was I moths, yeah, um, like little like paper moths or something like that. I think it was called. Yeah, they were everywhere. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like when it would rain, they would just be like plastered everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too many. It kind of looked like litter sometimes because they, they just looked like little pieces of paper that were like stuck on the ferry and stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> on car windshields. And... Oh. <laughs> Which reminds me, I posted it on my Instagram story, but I was like walking in Horseshoe Bay where I live and there was just this huge like jacked up truck parked on the pier and there was just a, a seagull like like playing with a starfish on top of the hood <laughs> of the truck. It's so cute. <laughs> that is really cute. I mean, I, not for the starfish, but yeah, uh, that's kind of it. I did see that photo and it, and it was indeed adorable. It was very like Finding Nemo. Yeah. I just loved it because it just felt like, yeah, someone with like this huge truck, like honestly, one of the biggest trucks I've ever seen. <laughs> like and a Berta truck. Yeah, it was very Good old Alberta Alberta. truck. <laughs> and, it, and this seagull was just like using it as, a, I don't know, just perching there. I just thought it was a funny visual. But yeah, we'll have to do sea stars soon. Yeah, yeah, we haven't done sea stars yet. There's a lot to say about them, I think. But today we're doing the tiger butterfly. Yeah, today it's butterflies. (laughs) So if you bring a tiger butterfly to Blathers, he'll say, Tiger butterflies are known for their majestic wings, which many consider quite beautiful. Truth be told, I find them monstrous. Those strange striped patterns, they give this owl the goosebumps. And while you may imagine young tiger butterfly larvae to look like lovely green caterpillars, it's not so. Why, when tiger butterflies are but babies, they're covered in unsightly white, brown, and black spots. In this way, they camouflage themselves as, as bird droppings. Putrid (laughs) pests indeed. Wow. Uh, what a surprise blathers saying like truth be told i find them monstrous like, i could not have predicted that <laughs> no no way i mean blathers has it right here and also i'm glad he mentions like the 
the caterpillars looking like bird droppings because I actually forgot to include that fact uh, in the rest of my script. So I'm glad he reminded me that that is also a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, Blathers. But yeah, I mean, the the one thing I got to point out here is that the tiger butterfly Blathers is referring to is actually a tiger swallowtail butterfly. And that's important because swallowtail butterflies are like a big group. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them in a moment. But I did want to make a point that I'm going to be calling them tiger swallowtails or swallowtails uh, in the rest of the episode. I also want to mention that my Animal Crossing island is called Swallowtail Island. Oh, <laughs> because because <laughs> I was like, oh, there's tiger swallowtails flying around. So anyway, I love that's that my island. And it's got like a little butterfly on the, the flag. And oh. I got Flick to make me a sculpture of a swallowtail butterfly that's at the front entrance of my island. Wow, that's really cute. It's very elegant. I didn't know that that was your island name, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've mentioned it before. I don't talk a lot about my island because it's <laughs> kind of ugly. Uh, <laughs> I need to work on it. Yeah, so, I mean, for those of you who don't know what a tiger swallowtail butterfly looks like, they are very beautiful butterflies. I feel like they always get attention because they're like this bright yellow, usually, or, or they can be sort of a pale yellow to white, depending on where you are. And they'll have like these black lines on them, which is probably where they got the name tiger swallowtail. And at the base of their their wings, they have this like short forked tail, which is why they have the name swallowtail. Um, not all swallowtail butterflies might display that, but that is a feature that I like to point out. And they tend to be rather large butterflies, like uh, in the case of the Canadian tiger swallowtail, which is the species I'm going to be talking the most about. They are about like two to three and a half inches in terms of their wingspan. So those are pretty big butterflies. Like they will get your attention if they're flying around. Uh, Like I said before, um, we're going to be talking about the Canadian tiger swallowtail, but there are different species of tiger swallowtails. So the Canadian tiger swallowtail is found across the southern provinces of Canada, as well as into the northern U.S. a bit. And then it goes all the way up to northern Yukon and Alaska. So it does live in pretty northern environments. Wow. Although, uh, yeah, I should mention like in some places, like in BC, they've been replaced by subspecies of tiger swallowtail, like the western and the eastern swallowtails, which as their name would suggest, (laughs) the eastern tiger swallowtails can be found in like the eastern U.S. and the western in the western U.S. and a little bit further north. So yeah, those are another couple of species. And then there's also a hybrid tiger swallowtail, and it is called the Appalachian swallowtail. And that's a combo of the Canadian swallowtail and the Eastern swallowtail. And that species, that hybrid, it's actually bigger than both of its ancestral species. So kind of a cool butterfly. That one lives in the Eastern US as well as specifically like around the Appalachian mountains. So that's kind of a brief note into what species are around. Overall, they all look pretty similar. They're yellow with black stripes and like little blue dots on the bottom of the wing. If they're males, those blue dots are nice and obvious. There's variation, of course, depending on the species. And uh, there's even like morphs of the butterfly that have like dark brownish wings. So yeah, butterflies can be kind of confusing sometimes to identify because like slight differences in wing patterns can indicate a whole new species and it's really hard to tell unless you know your butterflies really well. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that 
I guess it sounds like you could be in Vancouver and have multiple different species of tiger swallowtails around and you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not super like I, I'm not super expert on where each species is found. I just know them generally, but it seemed like, yeah, BC was getting Western swallowtails. And I guess it makes sense. You have like if we think back to the monarch episode, the Rocky Mountains seem to act as kind of a barrier to different populations of butterflies. So it would make sense that you wouldn't really have the Canadian swallowtail crossing that barrier or maybe not that much. Yeah, it's interesting. The more you learn about ecology, the more it's like, oh, mountains are like actually a relatively good wall for some species. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Not everyone can like build roads. Yeah, (laughs) like flying all the way across mountains is kind of hard for some butterflies and flying across border walls is also hard for some butterflies. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Subtweet at our monarch episode. (laughs) I do want to talk a little bit too about the swallowtails in general. So swallowtails are in the family Papillonidae. So if you speak French, papillon is butterfly. So it's a nice, uh, nice obvious name for some people. And this group is physically quite diverse. It's got over 500 species. They generally are very like beautiful, flashy butterflies. They're very big. And they can include the birdwing butterflies, which are some of the largest species of butterfly in the world. So in the tropics, uh, where most of the Papillionidae are found, uh, you have these very, very large butterflies. So if you ever hear birdwings, same group as the tiger swallowtail. And one of the things that is common among this group is that their larvae, so um, the ones that look like bird poop, once they get a bit older, at least in the Canadian tiger swallowtail, they'll sort of take on this green tinge with basically two spots at the head that look a little bit like eyes. And they have this really neat defense mechanism. So what they'll do is upon confrontation by a predator, the caterpillar will inflate a sac near its head with fluid. And it kind of inflates. It reminds me of like a bouncy castle sort of filling up with air and taking on a shape. Anyway, it'll form these two red horn-like projections from its head. And if you look at a picture of it, it looks like it's got these eyes and then this horn thing under those eyes. And this may be to make it look like a snake and alarm a bird that might want to eat it. May also be to make it look big and toxic. But regardless, it's it's a really cool mechanism. And this sac called the osmetarium will also secrete like this gross stench that makes them less appetizing. So they're just like, here's like a weird horn thing. And it also smells really bad. Although I did read that to humans, it smells kind of nice, like pineapples and like plant. So I don't know, maybe it's just a bad smell for birds. (laughs) That's so cool. And so... Like, what are these tiger swallowtails eating and doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing with their lives? Yeah, they uh, they suck up nectar from flowers through their proboscis, much like other butterflies do. So that long curly thing at the tip of their face. Tiger swallowtails are also big fans of mud puddles, which I think is really cool. So you might see them sitting next to mud puddles, apparently like drinking the dirty water. And this is because some butterflies really like the minerals that can come from mud puddles. So it's like a like a power smoothie for them. It's got, you know, salts and, and different minerals that they wouldn't be getting if they were just eating flower nectar. Wow, that's super interesting and weird. 
but it is I won't very shame weird. them for it. <laughs> There's also like butterflies that will land on people and like try and drink their sweat. Right. Which I think is really cool because, I mean, there's salt in your sweat. So that it's it's kind of like, I don't know if you've anyone who has dogs, like if you've ever come home from a workout and like your dog's like licking your <laughs> leg a lot. I know that's like a really niche experience, but um, it might be because you taste like salt and they're like, mmm, salt lick. Anyway, moving on from that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also wanted to talk a little bit about as I mentioned before, tiger swallowtails, they can live pretty far north. And for a butterfly, I find that really impressive because normally adult butterflies absorb the heat from the sun and will also shiver to keep themselves warm. So being in a place that's a little bit cooler makes life just a bit more challenging for them. And their scales are largely what's providing that warmth. So they provide insulation. And if for anyone who's listening, if you don't know, butterflies on their wings have scales. <laughs> the word Lepidoptera, which is sort of the group name for butterflies and moths, actually comes from the Greek name meaning scaled wing. So if you've ever seen a butterfly wing under a microscope, they have like these tiny little rectangular scales layered one on top of the other, and they provide really good insulation. And even taking a few of those layers away can create a significant difference in how warm that butterfly is going to be. So those scales are sitting on like a hard layer of protein called chitin or chitin, and that makes up the sort of bulk of the wing. And in addition to providing some insulation for the bug, scales also make up the, all those beautiful colors we see. So each scale is like a little different color and it'll make up all of those patterns. So sometimes these colors we see are actual pigments in the scale itself. But when butterfly colors have like those metallic or iridescent sheens, the color isn't a pigment. It's actually a reflection off the structures of the scale itself. And that structural coloring is very common in blue butterflies because blue just isn't really a color animals are good at producing in like a pigment form. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I had no idea that they even had scales and yeah I always kind of wondered like why they're yeah why they're so colorful and beautiful yeah and like if you've ever touched a butterfly or you know it's brushed against your hand you might have noticed like powder on your fingers and it's almost like pollen like I, I feel like it always feels to me like pollen and those are the scales they slough off and they do so partially as a defense mechanism because if you're a bird and you grab onto a butterfly's wing it's going to be harder to grip onto but it does mean that if you're touching butterfly wings too much that could slough off too many scales and you could potentially threaten the survival of that butterfly because one it I mean I'm sure it's you're probably also damaging the wing um, if you're touching the wing too much because it's very delicate. But also you're threatening their ability to insulate themselves. It's very important for them. Mm. And kind of going back to the Canadian tiger swallowtail, it's an unusually cold tolerant species. And of course, you're not seeing these tiger swallowtails just flying around in the middle of winter. Like I look outside and I'm in the Yukon and definitely no tiger swallowtails right now. It's very, very uh, snowy. And so right now, probably somewhere in the forest um, I'm looking at right now, there may be tiger swallowtails that have laid their larvae on leaves and wrapped them up. And those larvae are what are surviving the winter. So they're in sort of their larval form in their chrysalis. And once the winter is over and the snow melts, things start to warm up, they're going to 
break out of their chrysalises and become butterflies and and go on and do their butterfly things uh, throughout the summer until the life cycle resumes again. Yeah, and could you talk more about the chrysalis and how that works? It's like a cocoon, right? Yeah, so this is a difference that is kind of confusing, so bear with me, but a chrysalis is what butterflies make and a cocoon is what moths make. So often we use the terms interchangeably, but they are different things. They're made out of different materials. So chrysalis is actually just a hard exoskeleton of the caterpillar after it molts. So it's kind of like the bug skin has made a casing around it. So that's why if you look at a chrysalis, it's usually a bit more angular. It's kind of got a weird transparent quality about it. And cocoons, on the other hand, they're not an exoskeleton. Instead, they can be made up of silk that's produced by the caterpillar or by materials around it like leaves, sawdust, paper. Another thing I think is really cool about cocoons and chrysalises are that moths will use an acidic spit to sort of break down their cocoons and get out. Whereas butterflies will just sort of like split their exoskeleton open by force. Wow, I did not know that those were different and that they were that different. Like that's a real yeah. big difference. It's it's really different. And now I feel like I have to go to one of those butterfly gardens and, and look because I don't think I've, I, I didn't really know before looking this up that the chrysalis was an exoskeleton. I mean, it seems obvious now, but I just sort of thought it was like, a hardened secretion or something yeah. like I don't know what I thought it was but yeah super interesting well and I didn't know that moths sometimes use like leaves and stuff to make their cocoons that's really surprising to me mm-hmm. it's, it's really neat and then of course I feel like I I feel like we could do a whole episode on just like cocoons and chrysalises but the caterpillar will just like essentially liquefy inside there it's not like it just grows wings like in bugs life where like (laughs) a caterpillar is like a caterpillar with like the tiny little wings does anyone remember that it's it literally (laughs) liquefies and reforms as a butterfly which is wild yeah like I don't know how you go from like smoothie form to like a butterfly that's extremely intense (laughs) and it's kind of like once you reassemble are you the same like person they're not a person but like are they the same sort of individual (laughs) that they were before yeah like it's the same materials but a different thing so interesting well while we're on the topic of moths versus butterflies could you go over a bit what the difference is I know it's kind of a hard question (laughs) oh yeah and honestly like I try not to go too much into the taxonomy of it because it's so confusing but in general to make it simple moths and butterflies are in the order Lepidoptera so I mentioned that before it means scaled wing butterflies are in a group that's basically descended from a group of moths so technically the moths came first butterflies are just like a subgroup off of that And if you're looking at a moth or butterfly, it can be really tricky to tell the difference sometimes. They do look really similar depending on the species. But generally, it is helpful to look at their antenna. Butterflies have clubbed antenna, so it looks like a little matchstick, basically. It's got a little bulb on the end. Whereas moths will usually have feathery antenna. So sometimes these will look really dramatic, like literally like feathers. Sometimes they're a bit more spindly, so sometimes you have to look closely. But both butterflies and moths use their antenna to detect pheromones that are left in the air by potential mates. So that's, yeah, what the antenna are for. 
Another helpful thing to look for is whether the insect has landed with their wings folded up or flattened down against sort of the ground or whatever surface they're on. So moths will usually lay their wings flat out while butterflies will fold them up and above them. Moths are also pretty fluffy, so both their bodies and their wings kind of just look cuter, in my opinion. They have like fluffier scales and that helps them keep warm at night because that's the other thing is that moths are very often out at night. Butterflies, they don't usually like to be active at night because it's much harder for them to stay warm when the sun's not out. So a little bit more challenging. So whether you're seeing this animal out during the night or during the day may also give you a hint as to whether it's a moth or a butterfly. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, they're so similar, but they're also so different in a way. Like, you're right, moths just kind of, like, they're just fluffy and, like, I don't know. I don't know if I find them cuter. It's like, moths are cute and butterflies are beautiful or something. I don't know how to describe my feelings. <laughs> That's going to be our, our difference. If it's cute, <laughs> it's a moth. If you would call it, if you would consider that that insect handsome, it's definitely a butterfly. Um. Yes. Yeah, butterflies are kind of maybe more elegant or something, but yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like our Atlas Moth episode is one of my favorites and that illustration I just love and it's like oh, it's just such a cool moth and it is very beautiful, but also cute. So, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen these not to get too off topic, but I've seen these like needle felted moth plushies and oh, oh my gosh, I really want to make one. <laughs> yeah, it looks really should. hard to make, but I definitely would like to do that. I'm a big fan of needle felting. so. <laughs> and I think the, the materials really translate well to the texture of moth wings. So, But also you should not pet them too much. Yes, don't. Like in general, I, I would say observe, but maybe be gentle with bugs. I don't want to like discourage people from interacting with insects if it's safe to do so, because I think you can learn a lot from looking really closely at bugs. And I mean, speaking of which, it's springtime, so it might be time to catch some butterflies. So that might be something you and your family like to do, or maybe there's a local nature center that does like butterfly walks where you can learn how to properly catch butterflies and identify them. And I highly recommend going to those because you can learn so much. And I I love catching butterflies. It is the most ridiculous activity I think a human can do. (laughs) Like if you've ever seen someone trying to catch a butterfly and like I've been out with, you know, biologists who are catching butterflies and oh my goodness, fully grown adults running after butterflies with like a big long net looks ridiculous and it's amazing. (laughs) And what I love about it is it's not even like you're looking silly with like a cool excuse, like you're, you're looking silly and you're also catching butterflies. Uh, (laughs) So I think it's just a really fun activity and I've like... You also like need a good net, like a a hot tip. If you want to learn how to catch butterflies, you need like a net with a long net section. A lot of the ones you get at like a Walmart or, you know, those kitty nets, the the net is so shallow that like no child or adult could ever properly catch a butterfly. So I made mine last year because it was COVID and it was taking too long to like ship them. Uh, So I decided to make one out of some tool like wedding dress tool (laughs) as the net and then uh I don't remember what I used I think I used a broom handle for the stick and like an embroidery hoop (laughs) an embroidery hoop for the the like round part and it worked pretty well 
Sophia saw it. Yeah, um, yeah. Olivia brought it when she came to visit Saturna, and we. I tried my hand at catching. I think I caught a moth. You I caught think. a dragonfly, and you oh, were really scared about it. And I have photos fly. of it. <laughs> yes. And it felt very Animal Crossing because mm-hmm. it's hard to catch the dragonflies in Animal Crossing. But yeah, I am scared of dragonflies. So they're they're a little alarming when you catch them. They're loud. So they're loud and they're um, big. And I don't know, just something about them. <laughs> yeah, I spent last summer catching a lot of bugs because it was pretty much the only COVID safe activity we could do at the lake. Yeah, caught a lot of dragonflies, not a lot of butterflies. I actually find the dragonflies a lot easier to catch. I, I, it might just be because they're bigger and like if you go to catch them, you don't like blow them away with the right. the force of the net. Whereas with butterflies, like sometimes that happens. The only time I've really caught good butterflies was when they were like distracted by like mating or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which in hindsight, I'm not sure if I should have caught them because maybe that's disruptive to their behaviors. Anyway, if, if you're planning on going butterfly catching, I encourage you to check out your local nature center. I'm sure they'll be running activities this summer that are COVID safe, hopefully. And if not, just go and explore and look for butterflies and try and get as close as you can to, to look at them. I mean, luckily butterflies are pretty safe. Um, you're pretty much okay. Like, don't eat them. But uh, <laughs> other than that, you're probably fine. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. This is just a very cute episode, I think. And yeah, I I like that as we go into spring and summer. I Like, also, when I was a kid, I loved looking for caterpillars. I feel like that yeah, was a big fun. thing at my school, was, like, <laughs> collecting caterpillars or just, like, finding them and letting them crawl on your hand and they're so fuzzy and... Oh, yeah, they're really cute. I'm a big fan of caterpillars, too. I don't see very... I feel like I don't find them that often. I'll I'll find find the woolly bears, like the the black and yellow ones that are really puffy, or like the little inchworms. But I believe maybe... I don't even know if those turn into butterflies or if they turn into moths. Let's see. Okay, so the woolly bears turn into moths. Oh, okay. I don't know about those little green ones that hang off of trees. They make silk, so I would think maybe they're a moth. At least the ones I'm thinking of. Yeah, those are the two that I'm thinking of, too, that we just saw everywhere. And I don't know, we would buy those little, like, terrarium kind of things from the dollar store and, like, put them in there with leaves and stuff. Oh, that was such a good activity to do. Yeah. Yeah, just be careful with bugs. Like, be nice to them. But definitely, I always encourage, especially kids, like, go outside and check out the bugs. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you have a second, please leave us a rating and review. I know that we say that every episode, but like, (laughs) honestly, we just, we love to read them and they make us feel good and they also help us move up the charts. So yeah, that would mean a lot to us. And don't forget to subscribe. If you want to stay up to date, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Blathers. And please feel free to message us anytime if you have a suggestion for an animal you'd like to see us cover. And tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!